Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sternke. I'm here with fellow co-hosts, Christy Penley and Matt Tebby. Hello. Hey, yo. I'm back. Fellow co-hosts. You are back. I'm Christy, back, friends. Christy I'm Penley's back. internet. We just recorded an interview <laughs> that's uh, for an upcoming uh, podcast. So subscribe uh, if you'd like to get... Um, just recorded a great mm-hmm. interview. Uh, with we did Thompson. a great job, boy. Um, <laughs> it was so good. It was so but good. But the internet was no, good I, too. No, I I was going to yes, I was going to say the interview was great uh because Kurt uh shared some incredible stuff with us. So again, subscribe. But it was also also great because Christie's internet uh was consistent and we did like a 41 minute mm-hmm. interview and she didn't get the kicked off once. The gates of hell. Oh, Listen, yeah. the Xfinity Comcast people have been to my house like mm-hmm. 37 times in the last month, yeah. and I think they finally fixed it. Yeah. So congratulations job, to them. And to us. And to us. Yeah. Everybody. Everything's going great. <laughs> Christy, it's, it's great to have you on a consistent yeah. internet connection. I miss you all. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, this podcast that uh, that we're introducing today was one where you were on for the first like few minutes right. of the podcast. You didn't end up saying anything. Nothing. And then you got kicked off and couldn't get back on. <laughs> I, I so tried like 17 were- <laughs> times too. Finally, I'm like, y'all, okay. I'm sorry. So you like, won't hear Christy, We've had troubles for months. Not for lack yeah. of time. Most people don't know about this. Sure. Yeah, I know. Mm. It's just our secret, but I'm back. Yeah. So. Yeah. So welcome back, uh, Christy. Um, you were also saying, Christy, that um, this podcast will release the day after St. Nicholas Day. Yeah. Yes. Tell us about, I wasn't aware of you this. What, what's this about? Yeah. Uh, so St. Nicholas Day is the day that we uh, remember the actual St. Nicholas, you know, mm-hmm. um, who really gave to the poor and yeah. those in poverty. And um, so we have like a little book that we as a family read together on December 6th. And actually at Trader Joe's, they have chocolates from around the world um, that I buy. And then it's like, you know, I don't know, pick a country. And then like you can taste and they're all different. They all have different hmm. like, I don't know, things in it, like cinnamon or even peppery chocolate. And Ooh. it's super fun. We all, you know, taste it. <laughs> that's, so yeah, we that's celebrate real- St. Nicholas Day. It's kind of a weird thing. That's not weird. We celebrate that here <sighs> I too. I kind of like it though. Yep. Do you yep. really? Yeah. Okay, good. Well, yeah, and our so listeners good. can celebrate. I'm not, I'm not the only you know, one who's so here's, out, out of the loop. Here's what. Uh, well, I'm normally all well, about listen the Listen up, Saints Ben. Days. Let me let me let me share with you a little okay. bit. What do you do, Matt? Well, I'm looking. I'm looking in my. I'm looking in it's, uh, Nicholas. It's right here, December sixth. Nicholas, yep. Bishop of Myra, circa yep. 342 AD. So, growing up Catholic, we would have so. Saint days and feast days, and for some reason, Saint Nicholas Day was one of the ones we celebrated. We didn't celebrate all of them, but uh, our family tradition was you set a shoe. Outside your room, and you get yes. some candy or a little present in it. It's like a, a it's shoe? like a, da- it's like a yes. l- down payment on Christmas. It's a little okay. <laughs> That's so nice way to think I didn't about say it. this because I was like, I, don't, I didn't, I don't know, want to go into it. But you just okay. mentioned it. So I grew oh. up in Holland, mm. Michigan, and mm-hmm. which is a very mm-hmm. Dutch community. So mm-hmm. when my kids come home from school on St. Nicholas Day, the chocolate is in the wooden shoes. That are right outside our house, and then they get to yeah. see yep. it and eat it and partake. And wow, all that kind this of stuff. is, uh, I have to take notes. Just or, get the shoes ready, here. Ben. We're um, recording this so before St. Nicholas Day, so now you sweet. have, I just, you, we have an opportunity. Just you, Ben, to celebrate. Our listeners, 
have 364 <laughs> days to plan. Yeah, that's too bad. Sorry, Or they listeners. could just do it a day yeah. late. I mean, that's if totally you're not fine. Roman Catholic, yeah. who the heck knows when St. Nicholas's Nicholas feast day is? Care. You know? Yeah. Or Anglican. Or an Anglican. Right. Yeah, the, yeah, the... Uh, the only other saint day that I, um, I mean, I, I, there are some saint days that I'm aware of, but the one I'm very aware of is Saint Patrick. Uh, also, oh. October fourth. Oh, Saint Patrick, October yeah, sure. October fourth. October fourth is Saint Francis feast day. Okay. And uh, for the past couple of years, we haven't been able to do this, um, but I want to do like a blessing of the animals on Saint oh. Francis Day. I think that would be really fun. You guys, my dog needed some blessing yesterday. Oh yeah, why is that? He has, she, sorry, she, good grief, has doggy pink what? eye. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> That's so it's weird. terrible. It's oh, so bad. Anyway. Poor yes, poor right. thing. Yes. All right. Well, uh, there's all kinds of ideas for you uh, for celebrating St. Nicholas Day, day late. Um, and if you want to start planning for October 4th, St. Francis Day. Do you know what uh, the go. saints are famous for, Ben? <clears throat> Winning the Super Bowl. Occasionally, hey, oh, oh, just but, um, <laughs> saints, among other things, are famous for miracles. Uh, Stories about yes, hey, good. What good a good segue. segue! What a great segue! Yep. Bam! I think to be officially canonized mm-hmm. as a saint, at least mm-hmm. in the Roman Catholic Church, you have to have have an attested yep. miracle. They don't, they don't pay me nothing you, for right? nothing to be yeah. this podcast guy. It's for my <laughs> listen. I'm a canon in the Anglican Church, and I've not. I've not performed well, a miracle. Ca- cannons are. Yeah, well. I'm just calling myself out. <laughs> yeah. I feel, I feel like your internet's a miracle. Like it's a Comcast miracle. I know, yeah, right? yeah, uh, yeah. No, today we're talking, yeah, we're talking to Craig Keener can be about sainted. this book he wrote yeah. on miracles, Miracles Today. Mm-hmm. It, it's really interesting. Uh, well, anyway, he's a beautiful person. And I, ha- mm-hmm. I wept as I read this book because of mm-hmm. my. I have a complicated relationship with miracles. Like, I long to experience them and see them. I've prayed for them. I've never, uh, at least to my knowledge, experienced one. And then these stories that Craig tells uh, are beautiful. So sometimes I feel a bit haunted by miracles. Like, uh, I feel like John the Baptist in prison, you know? Hey, are you the one to come, or should we wait for another? You know what I'm saying? Like, why why do other prisoners yeah. get to go free? Just a and uh, uh, yeah. so anyway, I, I share that a yeah. bit with Craig. I think, but I I, mm. I it built my faith. I I began to yeah. pray differently yeah. after I read this book, and I I think mm. Craig's re- researched tens of thousands of verified miracles, and he defines what that means. He wrote a 1,200-page book 10 years ago, and then was going to take that 1,200-page book and make it a more popular book, but he had heard so many additional miracle stories in between the publication of the 1,200-page that he wrote an entirely new 380-page book, and or 290-page, I don't know how many pages it is, but chocked full of miracles. Yeah. Chock full of Vitamins for your faith. Yeah. Uh, they really are, though. Anyway, they really are. And and he's uh, a yeah. He's a beautiful so guy. I, I have a friend who I, I yeah, shared with this yeah, yeah. after the podcast. I didn't want to, uh, but I, I don't know. He probably won't listen to this, Craig. If you're listening, uh, <laughs> if you're listening, just e- just email Ben about Sorry? this. I have a friend that got his PhD from where Craig yeah. teaches, and my friend, yeah. who's yeah. you know wicked smart, said you know some scholars are um, the closer you get to them the less you benefit from them. So their books are the best thing about them. <laughs> He's right. But, but as, as people, people, you're like, eh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Just yeah. give me your book. Yeah. Uh but he said Craig was <laughs> opposite. He said Craig's books are amazing. Mm. But he said the closer you get to Craig, the more you experience Christ. And I think yeah. that comes through in this interview. Um you mm. you want to be like Craig, no matter how old you are. Yeah. When you grow up. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, that's, that's well true. said. This is a great. It's a. It's a. It was a. I, I experienced it yeah. in much the same way, Matt. Yeah. So. Um, listeners, if uh, right before we get to this, if you are not on our curated lists, email. Uh, go ahead and sign up. Go to gravityleadership.com dot slash join, um, and join our online community for free. 
And uh, that'll get you access to every Friday. We send a list of curated links to articles and stuff that we found helpful or interesting um, over the last week. Um, Like there was one article I found uh, that I put in the links this past week that has its information about why dialogue is so hard to understand in movies nowadays. (laughs) Have you guys noticed this? I do use a lot of uh, subtitles. For sometimes when yeah. I watch at home, yeah, and it's a it's apparently a common a problem. And uh, this person wrote an article. They did a bunch of research with sound engineers in the film industry. Um, and there's a, it's a complex uh, fact. There's a whole, whole bunch of complex factors to it. So anyway, uh, that normally the links aren't like okay. that. Um, they're they're to things about deconstruction, things like that. But I just found that so interesting. I was like, oh wow. I just thought I was getting so anyway. old. So that one's in there. But yeah, it's uh, but you sign up, join us. Um, and we we can email you about stuff that's coming up. Ben, speaking of deconstruction, so. Mm, oh hey. Yeah. I know. I almost that's forgot why to I'm announce this. <sighs> wow. All right. They don't pay me nothing uh, for nothing. We'll put a link to this in the. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll put a link to this in the show notes. But um, we are, uh, along with our friends at Missio Alliance, we are going to be leading a webinar coming up uh, this week, December 9th at one p.m. Eastern time on deconstruction, what it is, why it happens, and what to do about it. Um, There it is. I'm just loading up the website here uh, to try to figure out what we're talking about. Uh, But yeah, it's that I got the title right. Deconstruction, what it is, why it happens, and what to do about it. There's been a lot of uh, talk about deconstruction uh, in the, you know, the, in the discourse this, uh, around this time of uh, the, the season for whatever reason. Um, and, uh, there's just a lot about it that, um, I don't know, I feel like people get wrong. Um, especially leaders, Mm. gatekeepers, pastors, you know, um, there's a lot of people saying like, well, this is what's happening in deconstruction. This is what we need to do about it. And, um, anyway, we have our own experiences, um, Matt and I with people with our own experiences of deconstruction, um, and then leading others, you know, in gravity leadership Academy and other places where they're undergoing deconstruction and, um, yeah, it's just a lot different than what I see people writing about sometimes. And I'm like, mm. what, what's mm. going on here? And um, so anyway, we're we're going to explore that yes. uh, December 9th, 1 p.m. Unfiltered and unfettered. It's, I, I, I yeah. th- we have a lot to say. <laughs> we, we, I mean, gravity yeah. basically started as a, uh, now what? After massive deconstruction and so the people who connect and intersect with gravity the 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 conversations we curate here the people we train in our gla are people who are seeking to retrieve and reform and reshape a robust orthodox authentic agile contextual faith in jesus and and by far the vast majority of people I meet who self-report having some kind of deconstruction are seeking that. They're seeking to make sense of their life. Yes. And they, they love Jesus and their conscience is convic- uh, conflicted and they're just trying to make sense of it all. So, uh, you know, I think yeah. I think we want to give hope in this webinar. We want to name things that we've all experienced in this webinar and we want to suggest or submit some ways forward or even deeper into the work God's doing uh, yeah. with this massive cultural earthquake we're experiencing uh, in our in the West. Yes. So, come yes. join us. Let's do it. Yeah, come and join us. It's free. Um, we'll put a link to the show notes or link to it in the show notes. Otherwise, you can go to missioalliance.org/deconstruction to sign up. I hope that many mm. of you can join us. All Good. right, we ready to get into this with Craig yeah. Keener. Let Let's it rip. do it. Let's do it. Dr. Craig Keener, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. It's great to be with you. Uh, Craig is a professor of biblical studies at Asbury Theological Seminary and has a blog where he writes regularly, craigkeener.com. 
If you've been a Christian for 20 minutes, you've probably encountered one of over 30 books that Craig has written, including multiple commentaries on uh, Romans and Matthew and uh, Acts, the four-volume mega-monster commentary on Acts that sitting on my shelf over there, reinforced shelf because of um, how wonderfully researched it is. Craig, um, you, so you teach and you write and you study. What else do we need to know about you? <clears throat> I should maybe say that Cambridge did a one-volume, 700-page condensed version of the Acts commentary. So <laughs> That's good to know. I don't want to read the whole thing, then. It's even in paperback. So, oh. uh, But my... my uh, I'm married to Dr. Medin Musunga Keener. Um, we wrote a book together of our story. She was She's from Congo uh, in Central Africa, and she was a refugee there for 18 months. And that's the, the exciting part of the story is that, and then the rest is our romance. But mm-hmm. that was, that's, that's where the suspense is in the story. Okay. So even though we're both on the front cover, you're left wondering, are they going to, are they going to survive? Are they going to get married? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's really cool. That's really cool. And uh, we're, we're seeing you on video here and there's a long, uh, there's a long corridor of file cabinets and folders. Is that your study? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, you can tell how old I am because it's, you know, now you can put it on a flash drive, but um, <laughs> and it, in my, in my other offices where I have my hundred thousand index cards from before oh, wow. I could put everything on computer. Yes. Well, um, we, we're having you on, or pleased to have you on today to chat about uh, your latest book, which is on miracles. The title is Miracles Today, The Supernatural Work of God in the Modern World. I'd love it if you could start us out by sharing a bit. I know you've been studying and researching miracles for over a decade now. Uh, how did you decide well, how did you get interested in this topic? And then how did you decide to spend so much time writing about it? Uh, I guess those are, I mean, I've always been interested. I mean, who who would not be? Uh, well, well, since I've been a Christian, I was an atheist before, and so I avoided things like that. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but in terms of how I started writing about it, you know, actually it was a footnote in my Acts commentary because a lot of more skeptical scholars, they approach the Gospels and Acts and they say, well, we don't believe these things could reflect eyewitness accounts or go back to eyewitnesses because eyewitnesses never claim things like this. And I'm like, I have friends who claim things like this. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen some of these things. So let me just uh, compile just a few of them for a footnote. Uh, and I was looking for a book that just gave a bunch of examples uh, medically documented ones especially, and I didn't find the book initially. I, I have found some books since then, but the footnote grew and grew, and after 200 pages, you know, it was uh, too long for a footnote, too long even for a chapter, and so eventually it became that 1,100-page book. Um, but this book um, has been needed. I needed to write this one for a long time because 1,100 pages, most people aren't going to read that. Mm-hmm. Even though you read the four thousand five hundred pages of the big X commentary, but it, so so I needed to do a shorter one and a more accessible one, one that wasn't full of technical language, one that just um, told a lot of the stories, and that's what that's what miracles today is for. Yeah, and what struck me right in the beginning of this book, you 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 say that this is sort of the Reader's Digest version, maybe, of the 1,100-page book. But what struck me, Craig, is that you didn't just pull 275 pages from that 1,100-page book, but you tell us over and over in this book that in the 10 years interim since you wrote that 1,100-page book and today, you've gotten enough stories to fill at least almost 300 more pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The majority of this book is is new material. In fact, yesterday I was just visited by... uh, a minister who was giving me some other stories and he's like, Oh yeah, I've got medical documentation for these. The, Oh, the only ones he says he included in his book were the ones he got medical documentation for. So, you know, if, if he had visited me like six months earlier, <laughs> uh, I would have had to have cut out some other stories to fit these in <laughs> some yeah. of these in the book. But yeah. 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 Well, maybe it's then time to turn our attention to what do we mean by when we say miracle? We, we have maybe in our vernacular various ways of using that word. 
colloquially mm-hmm. that aren't aren't necessarily what you're describing in this book. So, you know, um, we have a, a child that's born and we refer to a child that's born sort of naturally processes of uh, this is our little miracle, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, what are you what are you referring to when you use the word miracle? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, there are a wide range of definitions for it. And I mean, there is a sense in which everything around us is a miracle, but we usually call that, well, theologians usually call that general divine action. Like, I mean, DNA is pretty spectacular, right? So, but when we use the word miracle, usually when theologians are using it, they mean what's called special divine action. That is, it's it's not part of the ordinary processes through which God works in nature, but it's it's more of a like a one-off here and a one-off there. Um, it's not something you can predict based on natural processes. God is at work in the in the big story, but for those who are nearsighted, which uh, I am physically, <laughs> for those who are too nearsighted to see God's handiwork in the big picture, God also sometimes gives us special signs of His of His. Uh, of his love. Yeah. Yeah. I was struck as I read about, so you start off right in the introduction with two really powerful miracle stories. And, um, and it's, they're two of, I don't know if you've counted 3000 stories you tell in the book uh, of, of these miracle stories. Uh, two things struck me. One is I immediately was stirred with hope and faith and longing to see that kind of divine power and action unleashed in the world. Simultaneously, and this was a weird existential experience for me, simultaneously, I was reminded of all the times that I'd hoped for a miracle or prayed for a miracle or wanted a miracle and was disappointed that it didn't happen. I think, I don't know if you'd agree with this categorization, but it seems like we have a a complicated relationship as Christians to miracles. And I, I wonder if you could maybe just share you share a couple stories in the book about how you've ex- you've actually experienced miracles. Uh, maybe share like uh, one or you know the the broad contours of those stories, and then if you could reflect a bit on how how has that impacted your faith? How has that created um, access to something maybe you didn't have before? Yeah, <clears throat> one of the one of the initial stories in the book is one that I witnessed as young as young believer just a couple of years past atheism. Uh, my, my younger brother and I were helping in a nursing home Bible study. And there was a lady there who every week she said, I wish I could walk. I wish I could walk. And finally, one day, the Bible study leader, who was a seminary student, walked over to her, grabbed her by the hand, said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk, and lifted her from the wheelchair. And I'm like, oh, no, she's going to fall. And I, th- you know, the expression on her face. I think she thought the same thing. And then he walked her around the room, and she looked a combination, I think, of horrified and shocked. And <laughs> but from then on, she could walk. And every week she'd come to the Bible study. I, I love this Bible study. I love this Bible study. Uh, and I wish I could say that really impacted me strongly. But it was like, well, it did impact me strongly. But it was also like, I. Uh, don't understand this. This is an, an anomaly. <laughs> so I didn't really let it shape my my faith the way it should have. Um, but then, uh, and, and then another one was when uh, we, we were getting ready. F- this was when I was a professor just starting out back when I still had hair and so on. But um, we, we, were, we were getting ready to have a uh, an outreach on, on the campus where I was um, I was I was a seminary professor, and it was adjoining a college campus. And some of the visiting students, they'd come from another campus, but, you know, the day we'd scheduled it, well, we'd scheduled it in advance, and now it was raining all day. The weather forecast said it was going to pour down rain all day. And we were out there just getting drenched, and a sophomore biology major from the other campus led us in a prayer for the rain to stop. I thought, well, it can't hurt. And suddenly the rain stopped. And then the sun came out and there was no rain the rest of the day. And that one, 
I think got my attention a little bit more. But really what got my attention more and built my longing for it was just reading scripture and seeing, uh, just seeing what God can do and what God often does, especially in the cutting edge of evangelism. So I'm usually not on the cutting edge of evangelism. I mean, but sometimes out witnessing, um, you know, I'll stop and pray for somebody who has a need. And when the Lord meets that, it gets their attention. Yeah. You you mentioned how um, in your book that miracles don't solely happen, but tend to happen sort of on the on the margins of the expansion of the kingdom of God. Have you reflected on that at all theologically or even experientially at, and, and, and wondered why that is and what, what the purpose of that is? It seems to me, from what I see in the Gospels and Acts, that's the same kind of setting that you see in the Gospels and Acts, where healing and other other things, stilling storms and so on, seems to be normal. It's not that it doesn't happen elsewhere. I do have a number of accounts in the book from, from elsewhere. And actually, a lot of the medical documentation comes from other settings because those are the settings often where we have medical documentation available. But it, it is true that where the, where the kingdom is, is going forth, God is really working to get people's attention and especially in places where they value what we call supernatural activity, um, <clears throat> to show that God's power is greater. It's not that God doesn't love the rest of us, but you know, death is part of this world. So, I mean, every our great heroes of the faith, like Hudson Taylor or um, George Mueller from the 1800s, they're not with us anymore because sooner or later we die, right? But um, so every Every healing in this life is temporary in that sense. Lazarus, who was raised, eventually died again. But these are, <clears throat> the way Jesus spoke of them, they're, they're signs, they're a foretaste of the kingdom. So when Jesus is casting out demons, Matthew 12, 28, and Luke eleven twenty, 20, he says, if I, if I by the finger of the Spirit of God am casting out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And in um, Matthew eleven five and Luke seven twenty two, where um, John the Baptist is like, "Are you the one to come, or should we be looking for somebody else?" Jesus says to John's messengers, "Well, go tell John what you've heard and what you've seen: the blind see, the deaf hear, good news is preached to the poor." He's quoting from a couple passages in Isaiah, the context of which is what we call the kingdom. It's the it's the restoration of God's people. It's the ultimate consummation, um, you know, the, the new heavens and the new earth. And so Jesus' ministry didn't consummate all that. We didn't get the new heavens and the new earth right, right then. But Jesus was showing John that, yes, this is the inbreaking of the kingdom. It's the, um, these are, it's the foretaste of the future glory. And so in places of groundbreaking evangelism, those are necessary more as signs. And I think that's where we tend to see the more dramatic ones. I have some friends who minister in Mozambique, and there's uh, medical documentation for some of these because the team went there. Um, but also in areas that they've, they've reached that had no churches, they've seen most of the deaf people there healed. And that's... That's... Um, we could call that special divine action. I mean, that's extraordinary. That's not usually what we experience here. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you, so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission, and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com academy.
Ben, what's your experience of miracles? You grew up in a charismatic church, and I did. Um, yeah, so I, I grew up in a charismatic church. I, I don't know that we ever saw, I, I might not be remembering everything. We didn't see anything as dramatic as, you know, all the deaf people, uh, like you're talking about, um, kind of, kind of healed. Um, I actually just read, uh, I think it was the, the, in the gospels this morning in Matthew 14, where Jesus goes, it reminded me, you saying that story about Mozambique, it reminded me of Jesus goes away to be by himself because his, you know, John the Baptist has been uh, killed and um, people find him though. And he, and it's, it's sort of like this, it, this interesting offhand comment. And he was like, so he healed everybody, you know, like, <laughs> and so he healed them all. And then, you know, preached the good news and then he went somewhere else. So it does uh, feel uh, kind of normal, but, but I, you know, I can remember, um, I think the supernatural stuff in our, in my context, um, was it mostly had to do with um, prophetic words that were given to people, which was, it, it sort of felt like a kind of miracle in, in the sense, especially if like there was, you know, special information, uh, like revelation about, you know, information that they couldn't have known and, and that kind of a thing. But um, we prayed for healing all the time and we did often see some measure of, some measure of healing, but it was never anything um, super dramatic, you know, like cancer disappearing and things like that. So... Yeah, that's my experience too. I, I had proximal relationships with people who would go to a revival and get gold dust on their face, or who would uh, go to a somewhere and somebody would their leg would lengthen. And I was always kind of like, well, a chiropractor can lengthen your leg, and I, I'm not sure what the purpose of gold dust is. Um, uh, maybe I missed it, Craig. You don't have any gold dust or leg lengthening miracles in this book. Uh, you have I, what I would consider like, okay, well, I didn't know that happened. I, you have dead people raising. You have people who have multiple sclerosis being healed. You have cancer. You have um, blind and deaf and all these things. Uh, and I, I, the the importance of this book for me was that I'm realizing that I live, I have absorbed sort of a framework that wants to make sense of life without divine action. Um, so even though I would never bow my head and close my eyes and accept secularism into my heart, there I, I find myself unwittingly being a crass materialist. And, and this book sort of, arrested me in a way, I mean, I'm a Christian, I pastor a church, arrested me in a way of, hey, um, there is hope for divine action, and here are 3,000 stories to water the seed of that hope. Uh, I'd, I'd share all that to say, as you research these, this book and the previous one, were there any surprises for you? Did anything catch you off guard that you didn't expect? Were there moments that were genuine, where you genuinely learned something you didn't know about the miraculous and how that operates. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think I, I think my experience has been similar to yours. I mean, I've seen some things, but you know, not every day and not on a regular basis. Um, scholars life can be fairly boring, <laughs> <laughs> but um some things really got my attention. I mean, one that, that really got my attention, and that was with the first book, actually, was regarding my uh, some, something in my own family. My wife had told me about it. She didn't really know the details, but she'd heard the story in her family. So um, when we went to Congo, uh, I interviewed Antoinette Malambe, who uh, told me that when her daughter, Therese, was two years old, she was bitten by a snake. Therese wasn't breathing. There was no medical help available in the village, so she strapped the child to her back and ran to a nearby village where family friend Coco Goma Moise was doing ministry. He prayed for the child. She started breathing again. Next day, she was fine. Now she has a master's degree, uh, so no brain damage, even though six minutes with no oxygen, irreparable brain damage starts in. Um, it was It was three hours of this, and... That's not by any means the most dramatic story, but it's what got my attention because Antoinette Malambe was my mother-in-law, mm -hmm. Therese is my sister-in-law, and 
we also consulted uh, Coco Moise, who confirmed the story. And what that did for me, it, it brought it closer to home. And it kind of shifted my, you know, I was approaching everything with this degree of secular skepticism, even though in principle I believed all this, because it's already yeah. in the in the Bible, but <laughs> it shifted my my skepticism. And and I've even though I shouldn't, I guess, but I still find myself surprised often by some of these some of these dramatic things and then go back and say, oh actually I saw something like that and I just didn't pay enough attention to it. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. I want to just be clear I heard you right. There was three hours no breathing. Right. I mean, yeah, as far as they could tell. Yeah. 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 And six minutes is enough to Yep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh four seconds of no breathing is enough to be dead. But uh six minutes is where um you really have a hard time coming back. That's that's incredible. Um and another thing I noticed, not just a variety of stories and all over the world, but also that no one sort of Christian group has the market cornered on miracles. Yeah. That there is this, um, and you talk about this in your book, like I think I think for some of us, we want to we want uh we want the people who are right about God to have access to divine power. But in your book, <laughs> you're like, I'm not sure all these people can be right about God, but they all seem to have access to divine power. Uh, could you just maybe uh, flesh that out a bit? And how do you make sense of that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, the people who pray for healing are more likely to see it than the ones who don't. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so, I mean, there, there is a sort of pattern there. But you have people who who just have this faith that everybody they pray for is going to get healed. And they do often tend to see a lot of healings. Uh, I don't know if it's everybody they pray for, but uh, you know, some people, the, the Bible talks about different gifts and different, you know, some people have more of a gift of faith in this area and some have more of a gift of faith in that area. But there are plenty of stories uh, plenty of people I interviewed where these miracles happened and completely shocked to the person who was praying. You know, it's <laughs> it's God who does it and God who gets the credit, not not us. Mm -hmm. And certainly, it's it's no one denomination or one Christian movement. And I guess I found that too in you know with my students being from a lot of different denominations and my my circles of ministry being in a lot of a lot of different denominations as well that um, whatever whatever particular denominational background somebody's in, I think what matters most to God is our heart towards him and our, our willingness to obey what we know of him. And obviously the more you know of him, the more clearly you can obey him well. But um, you know my, my calling is more as a as a Bible teacher. So I mean that's very important. But yeah, um, it's not just enough to believe the right things in our head, but to really actually trust the living God. Hmm. This, is, this is an extension of that question, I, I think, um, that I've pondered from time to time. You know, I think there's, um, I, I think in terms of like two extremes that oftentimes, uh, maybe they're caricatures, but I think people tend to fall into these um categories. Sometimes there, there can be a tendency. And the one extreme is the kind of thing that, that Matt, you were talking about earlier, where it's like just this complete skepticism and, and of, of like, that's not how God works. And we can't really trust in any of that stuff. And we shouldn't really think about it or pursue it and yeah, that kind of thing. But then on the other side, there's sometimes a tendency to try to like nail down the formula so that every time, you know, like I want to increase my percentage and, you know what I mean? Like what's the exact right environment, you know, and obviously that. Yeah, the abracadabra, you know, that, right? Right. We're veering into like magic, yeah. you know, at that point, which is not faith. But I, you know, I read the gospels and I'm always struck by Jesus saying pe to things to people like, your faith has healed you. Mm -hmm. And he could not do or would not do, depending on your translation, right? Uh, in Nazareth, where they did not have faith. And so but one translation says he could not do many mighty 
works. Mark six, yeah. <laughs> but it does. It says that. Well, he he just healed a few people. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, well, that's <laughs> still pretty impressive for for me. But anyway, so I I've just been thinking about that, and I wonder if what your perspective is, Craig, as a as a biblical scholar and as somebody who has heard a lot of these stories on what the human role is in this. Like, what is faith? How does faith work in these miracle stories, because I think, you know, one way of thinking about it is like, well, I don't know, God sometimes does cool stuff. Who knows? And another way of thinking about it is like, well, why does he always answer that guy's prayer? Like, what is it about faith, right? That gets prayers answered. And how do we learn how to think about that in a way that doesn't end up where we're like sorcerers trying to like conjure magic? Faith can't be faith in it. Like the, the goal faith has to be faith in, in God which means that even when we don't get what we're praying for, or at least don't get it right away, God is still worthy of our faith. So there's an account in the book that I got from a a doctor who prayed for somebody who had been flatlined for 40 minutes. The guy came back and and is now a believer, actually became a believer after he, he came back. And they go around and share their testimony together. And, you know, it's medically, medically verified and so on. But, Um, But that same doctor, like a year or so before that, his own son died of leukemia, and they prayed and prayed, and he didn't come back. And what he, you know, that was a turning point for him where he had to say, I'm going to believe God no matter what. And then he was ready when God actually led him to pray for for this other person. And, And there's some other accounts in the book like that. Um, we do see in the Gospels that sometimes God acts in a special way uh, rather than just the general way, which in the Gospels was healing everybody. But, you know, um, sometimes uh, people get things long distance when they're not touching Jesus or when they're touching Jesus from behind or or whatever. And often in those cases, the faith is not expressed the way we might think. It's expressed in desperation because they know that Jesus is their only hope. Mm-hmm. And so they, the crowd is blocking the entrance to the door. They go up on the roof and open the roof. Or, or um, a woman with a flow of blood, she's not supposed to be in contact with anybody, pushes her way through the crowd, touches the hem of his garment, which she shouldn't have been allowed to do, but she's desperate. And, and faith can be expressed in those ways. But also we see cases in the, in the Gospels where Jesus clearly did something despite the lack of people's faith. Like, you know, at least they're crying out to him, but on the boat, Lord, wake up. Uh, don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus gets up and, and says, peace be still, calms the wind and the waves, and then turns to his disciples and says, where's your faith? <laughs> and they're like, what kind of yeah. guy is this? Yeah. Which, of course, is the point of the story. Well, look, look what kind of guy Jesus is. <laughs> Uh, the 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 point always has to come back to Jesus, and that's what we see also in like Acts uh, three when the paralyzed man is healed, and Peter says, "Why do you look at us as if by our own power or holiness we've made this man whole? It's the name of Jesus, who, by the way, you crucified. This man stands before you whole." And uh, actually, in Acts nine thirty four, Peter says, "Aeneas, Jesus heals you." And the man is instantly healed. But when they're when they're praying in the name of Jesus, it's Jesus doing the work through through his servants. And that's the the mode we need to be in. It, it's it's for his honor. And when he doesn't do it, even when we you know, we know he's done it for somebody, mm-hmm. that's still a gift to all of us because it's a reminder, these are signs of the future promise. There's coming a time when he's going to wipe away all tears from all of our eyes. And there's going to be no more sickness, no more death. And yeah, these are, these are reminders of it. Yeah. You, you know, as you're, as you asked that question, Ben, about what's the relationship between healing and faith, uh, I was thinking about um, that story you told earlier about the Bible study leader, the first miracle that you saw with the Bible yeah. study leader. And in your book, I had to just go back and look at it. And I, I, I remember correctly um, you call him Don in the book, and he got up and he said, "I'm sick of this." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he went over and and said, and it reminds me in Acts 16 where Paul's like annoyed 
that this yeah. demon possessed woman won't stop yelling at him. And he's just like enough already. And I, you yeah. know, I think in those things where it doesn't seem like a worship service, right. It doesn't seem yeah. like, and, yeah. and I, I wonder, I wonder Craig, particular maybe temptation for those of us who spend a lot of our times thinking about God and wanting to understand him and know him, that God is God's freedom exceeds mm-hmm. our capacity to contain him with the rules we want to put around some of the things he does. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my mom um, passed away a few years ago. She went on, she was Roman Catholic. I was raised Roman Catholic and she went on pilgrimage. You talk about Lords here in the book and all the miracles that have come out of there for hundreds of years, but she went to Medjugorje, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you've heard any stories about Medjugorje, mm-hmm. um, but she mm-hmm. went there and she, uh, she she prayed that God would deliver her from um, a cigarette addiction. And she came back and she said, I have no desire to smoke. And when she told the story, you know, mm-hmm. I was um, new. I had left Roman Catholicism and I was kind of a sort of an arrogant young Protestant. Right. Um, and, and all my brain <laughs> went through all the ways how this wasn't a miracle. Um, right. And, and now as I read your book and I hold my mom's memory uh, sacred in my heart. Um, I, I realize that I'm guilty of this. I I want God to do miracles for people who do the things right and who believe the right things. Mm-hmm. And who agree, basically, who agree with me, Craig? Right. <laughs> and what your and what your book gave me was this vision of God's freedom and love and power that transcends boundaries and transcends. <laughs> I mean. I'm just going to say this and we're all going to laugh because of how ridiculous it is. It transcends whether we deserve it or not, or how entitled we are to it. Um, So that's what surprised me was how prejudiced, how partial I want God to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Back in the 1600s, Blaise Pascal's niece, she had a running eyesore and everybody knew about it. She was touched with what she believed was a holy thorn from the crown of Jesus' thorns. You know, there were so many fake relics floating around. Uh, it's almost certain this this could not have been a, a thorn from Jesus' crown of thorns. But it was a contact point for her faith, and she was instantly and publicly healed in the sight of many witnesses. And a skeptic in the, eight, uh, in the 1700s, uh, one of the major sources of modern modern skepticism about miracles, he actually cites the story, and he says, "Look, this is well attested by witnesses. It's medically documented. We don't believe in this. Why would we believe in anything else?" And then he just goes on like he just made his case, but uh, but I mean he couldn't deny that that, that actually happened, uh, even though he he trusted most of his audience would dismiss it because they they would know it wasn't really a holy thorn. Sometimes we are too quick to dismiss. God works with imperfect people with imperfect understanding, and if He didn't, right. He wouldn't be able to work with us. Right. Yeah, yeah. I wonder as we begin to wrap up here, Craig. I am. You referenced earlier, kind of the life of a researcher and a teacher and a writer. Um, you know, when you emerge from your your bunker. <laughs> of uh second temple judaistic literature <laughs> you and you happen to go to the grocery store sometimes you'll 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 pray for somebody you mentioned witnessing and i have a i'm wondering if um i'm wondering if you could pastor us for a bit um i've talked to a number of people who have uh chronic illness or disease who tell me they have fatigue of being prayed for um and sometimes the stories are like people don't ask for my consent people pray and expect me to be healed and when they're don't when they don't you know it compounds feelings of hopelessness shame i did something wrong also you just did something to me and i didn't actually say you could and now this feels weird cuz you're like blaming me um i guess what i'm saying is i think we can all agree we we don't want to compound people's hurt and shame and pain who are in uh de- debilitating disabilities or illnesses or, or, um, other, other maladies. How do you Mm -hmm. navigate that 
what what sort of ways do you move towards people? How do you know when to pray, when not to pray? And how do you get consent, I guess? Yeah, I mean, for consent, I would, of course, ask them. But uh, but the context, the context makes a difference, too. When I was, I think it was between my freshman and sophomore years, uh, undergrad, I, I was reading, the, I'd been reading the book of Acts and seeing how often God got people's attention through signs and wonders. And also there was this book, um, How to Give Away Your Faith by Paul Little, an university book. And it said, well, most people appreciate it if you, if you pray for them. Uh, but I mean, it's in the context of, you know, conversation and they bring up something and you say, well, may I, may I pray for that? And then if nothing happens, usually they're not offended, um, you know, because most of them aren't expecting anything to happen anyway. <laughs> but um, so I, you know, the, I was working at a, basically a senior uh, apartment complex. I have to be careful how I word that because I'm probably the age now when they were <laughs> And, and um, so I, the first person I prayed for, nothing happened. And, but a little while later, somebody came by and she said, uh, she was telling me all about her knee hurting. And I said, well, may I pray for it? She said, sure. So I prayed. She came back a few days later, said, Craig, you're great. My knee's been better ever since you prayed for it. Now I need to get you to pray for my lungs. I've been coughing up blood and the doctor thinks I have lung cancer. So I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll come by on my, on my lunch break. And because um, I thought <laughs> I'd need a little bit more time for that. So uh, I came by on my lunch break and, and I said, no, um, I'm going to pray for you. But whether God heals you or not, someday you're going to die and you need to be ready to meet him. And so she let me lead her in a prayer to, to receive Christ as her Lord and Savior. And then um, I prayed for her. and. She got back to me later on and said, um, I haven't coughed up any blood since then. And the doctor says, I don't have lung cancer after all. Uh, but th this book is more of the yeah. happy stories than the, than the other ones. But the other ones are, I mean, the book concludes by talking about the other kinds of stories too that are, are real. They're, they're just sickness and death are, are part of this age until Jesus comes back. And miracles aren't meant to be a panacea for all the world's problems. They are meant to show us what God cares about. And <clears throat> God cares about people who are ill. He cares about uh, people and people's needs. And so whether we, whether we care for them by prayer or some other means, um, healthcare, uh, providing food, um, giving them rides to the store, or you know, whatever it is, those are showing things that God cares about. And when we're praying for them, it needs to be, you know, we're supporting them in something that they, they, uh, they care about. We're not just abandoning them and saying, well, you know, eh, maybe God will do it. We don't really care. <laughs> but, but no, we care. And as long as this is something you care about, we're with you in that. <clears throat> But we also, I mean, there's one story in the book of somebody who was, she was paralyzed for 22 years from the waist down. And she really was sick of people, you know, people would jerk her out of the wheelchair, nothing would happen. And I guess they were trying to practice their faith on her. <laughs> and uh, then one day, it wasn't somebody praying for her, she was praying for somebody else when God suddenly touched her and healed her. And um, yeah. God yeah. is God is God. We aren't. Yeah. <laughs> we are we are his people. Yeah. Craig, I think one of the things that's important for me in hearing those stories and in your answer to that question is that like uh the miracle is meant to show something about who God is, right? Yes. Not it it's not meant to testify to the rightness of the miracle worker. Right. Um and also the miracle is there not for us to get another notch in our belt, right? Or to like, you know, document it for our ministry or something like that. The miracle's for the person, right? And so it's about God and it's about others. 
And that, that seems to be like the posture that you're advocating to say, like, if we're going to get, if we're going to pray for these things, if we're going to expect God to move and to act in these ways, let's make sure it's about God. Let's make sure it's about others and not about ourselves and our rightness. And, yeah. and that, that seems to be the wrong focus. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's really encouraging for me. Thank you. Craig, uh, thank you for this book. And thank you for the care you've taken to curate these stories. I think, um, just personally, I felt this delta between uh, my my belief and needing help for my unbelief. And I think your book is a midwife for my unbelief. It 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 helps me breathe in faith. It helps me uh, deal with the sadness I've had for the people I've prayed for who have died. Or, or um, the anger I even have with God that he chose to do this and not that. Um, but it helps me, these stories help me breathe through that. And I think they're giving birth in me personally to someone who has an increasing, I dare to believe that God is really present and at work uh, in all of creation. So it's a gift and it's, uh, we, do a, we do a five best books of the year and, uh, for Gravity Leadership readers and listeners. And this book is going on it. Um, because oh, of um, how important it was for me. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you so much. There is, there is something I think that the Gospels give us that's deeper than miracles. Miracles show us God's power and God's compassion. But in the cross, we see that even when it looks like God is silent, God is still at work to bring about yeah. his purposes. <sighs> I needed to hear that too, Craig. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I made reference at the beginning that you're, you've written a great many things, and I've I've benefited from your commentaries um, over the years. Uh, what are you working on now? What What are you spending your time doing? What What do we have to look forward to next from from you? I'm doing well. The you know the four volume Max commentary. I'm doing another long project like that, uh, but not as long because Mark is only half as many chapters. But I'm doing a major commentary on Mark. Um, the, 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 the background commentary is probably more useful for the average, mm -hmm. average reader. It just gets it all in one volume, the, the background stuff, but, uh, but I'm discovering so much as I'm working through and, um, just even, <clears throat> I mean, even, even in Mark 11, where, where, um, Jesus rides a donkey that has never been ridden before. You know, I, I went and studied some equine science to figure this out. And you can't ride a donkey that's never been ridden before half a mile to Jerusalem. I mean, <laughs> it takes time to train the donkey, you know? And so um, it shows Jesus mastery over nature. So even, even little details like that, I'm, I'm learning so mm. much. Yeah. Maybe we'll have you back on uh, the podcast. I think, I think uh, you're the way that you uh, reach your arms around uh, what four thousand years of discourse, uh, and bring them to bear on how we hear and what we can perceive from the scriptures is a gift to the church, Craig. So thank you for that. Thank you for your time with us today. Um, and uh, maybe maybe just plug your website and tell us what we can find. Yeah, craigkeener.com. Um, I I was keeping up a lot better with with it now. Some some of the stuff now is. Uh, um, links to interviews like this one yeah. <laughs> uh, but but um also there's um my youtube channel uh, so if you look for craig keener on youtube and uh, i guess it's the there's probably more than one craig keener but the one with bible stuff that's, <laughs> that's how you find it well craig thanks so much for being with us today god bless you god bless you thank you for having me Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com join. 
you'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time.